This is AI Podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, just better everything. Real. The difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. I think I say it better than Patrick Swayze, but all right, all right, all right. So how's everybody doing out there to all you loyal listeners? Welcome to Agency Intelligence, where I give you real agents inside real agencies, giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that they try to make you believe out there. This is Cass, and today I have Miss Monica Adwani, and she is somebody that you're thinking to yourself, I never heard of this person, or I've seen them on LinkedIn. They've got some good stuff. Hey, isn't she about women? Hey, isn't she a Latino? Yep, you're right on all of that. And she is dynamic. That's the only word that you don't know necessarily about her. And that's why I wanted to bring her on. So welcome, Miss Monica, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jason. I'm really happy to be here. Yes. And I don't know if you're listening to this on the podcast, you're watching it uh, uh, recorded on YouTube, whatever it is. But thank you once again for joining us here for Agency Intelligence. Uh, You know I do what I do because I do it for you. And today we're going to talk with Monica about some stuff. I'll be honest with you, loyal listeners. I don't know much more about her than you. Um, I reached out to her, God, Monica, what was it, months ago. Um, and, and I just, I liked her vibe. My loyal listeners know Monica, that I'm all about the power of women. I was raised by a single woman who would take a dollar and stretch it for a whole week. And, uh, I, 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 I get a dollar and it falls out of my pocket. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just, you know, it's an unbelievable thing. And I have a presentation that I do on women about women in insurance. And so we'll kind of hit on a little bit of that. And I want to get your take on it, Monica. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. I'm ready too. First question, you an iPhone or you a Droid user? iPhone. iPhone. That's okay. I won't hold it against you, Monica. We've got an early relationship here, but I won't hold it against <laughs> you. Hey, <laughs> no, what's the last app you downloaded? Oh, Loom. Loom. You know what? Me too. I'm serious about that. <laughs> I'm damn serious about that. I just downloaded it... Um, Yesterday or the day before yes. it was one of the two. I'm on the road all the time now, so I need to, I needed to be more mobile. So instead of the computer, I was like, well, how come I haven't downloaded this app yet? Right. So I use it all the time for like two years now, but I only downloaded it yesterday. Well, and I use it on my computer forever, and I've got yeah. the little um, little uh, add-on to yeah. excuse me to my browser. What I get upset about until recently, uh, Slack doesn't provide a way for you to give video. So just like you, I'm on the road and I need to say, hey, because my team prefers it because I talk so fast and I'm so scatterbrained. They prefer when I just talk on video so they can watch it a couple times and understand what the hell I'm saying. <laughs> and and I hated it. And I also hated it about Teams. Teams was the same way. You can do the video like live, but you can't do that. Now I just found out Slack has now come out and integrated with video in there. 
Yeah. I literally found that out, Monica, like five minutes after I downloaded Loom. I was like, <laughs> I found like, out about Slack this morning where I was like, where was this when I was trying to do a training yesterday? And I had to like, I had to like basically have, have Slack and then create a Zoom. So then I can record through Zoom, but I was doing the call in Slack. I'm like, seriously? Right. Anyway. Right. Someone finally figured this out. So, wow, that's great. That's great. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose, Monica? I hate to lose. You do. Why would you say that? Because I was born to win. Rock and roll, sister. That's a good, that's a good answer right there. That's right. I like that. Inside our mastermind, we call I call everybody champions because we win every day. Ain't that right, Monica? That's, we win every right. damn day. Big or small, we win. Big or small, we win. I love it. I love it. Last question. Two things in the world got us to where you are today here at the agency intelligence, we believe. Skill or luck? Which would you say is a bigger factor in your life to get you where you are today? Skill. Why would you say that? Because I've worked my ass off to get here. And how much luck, would you say luck is figured into that? No luck. Hard no work. luck. Really? Okay. Everybody has their own answer in that. I like that. And from the little 10 minutes I know you, that doesn't surprise me. You're very <laughs> proud of who you are because you've worked your ass off, right? Yep. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> it's not easy to get, I mean, it ain't easy to get out of bed unless, you, unless you're this good. You know what I'm talking about? No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> No, not like that, but you know. No, you're... that was for me. That wasn't you. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of hard work. And, you know, this industry is not easy either, especially right. especially for women. Um, it is not easy to succeed. Um, and you have to go through a lot of hurdles to get what you want to be. So I will say no luck, just a lot of hard work. I will say I get lucky with people. Mm. With good people mm -hmm. that, you know. That come into your life. That was placed in my way. But mm -hmm. um, other than that, a lot of hard work. Good for you, Monica. Monica, take me back to diapers, high school, doesn't matter, and bring us forward to where Monica is today. Ooh, goody. Um, so I was raised and born in Puerto Rico, and I loved uh, traveling. So I've traveled most summers I traveled to Canada, United States, whatnot. My dad was in military, so we always, ah. you know, were uh, somewhere, always a station in Puerto Rico, but my dad traveled a lot, so he, he knew that I wanted to see the world. So mm -hmm. United States and Canada was the most I made it. Um, and then I always thought that I will, I will want to move somewhere, but my roots with my family were very deep and I never thought of moving. I was being successful my own way in Puerto Rico. I started college at age 17. I uh, graduated by age 20. And, you know, in between I was going uh, to school full time at night, working full time during the day because my family didn't have the resources to right. pay for my school or anything like that. So I had to, since 16, I started working and caring for myself. So um, when I was in college, um, I'm in my third year, I met who today is my husband and um, he grew up here in Massachusetts in Worcester and he did, he didn't like the way of, you know, living in Puerto mm -hmm. Rico. So he always said he wanted to come back. And I was like, well, bye. See you later. 
Like, I'm like, no, you can. <laughs> and I'm like, take a trip. No problem. Uh, so I stayed. He decided to come back and I stayed behind. And then, but we kept talking over the phone and whatever. And he's like, why don't you come visit? And I'm like, okay. Uh, so we met in New York City the first time. And I was like, eh, this is not for me. And he's like, well, why don't you come to Mass? And then I remember in the spring, I was like, whoa, I'm never coming back here in April. <laughs> so, uh, but then after a couple visits, I liked it. And I started looking for a job. And from Puerto Rico, at, I mean, this is 16 years ago. So the Zoom wasn't, wasn't existent yet. So mm-hmm. I did all my interviews over the phone and I got a job. So I moved and the rest is history. Now I have a medical IT kind of background. So I started working on a lab here and then I just, I just figured out I hate it. Like I don't want to work on this field. Mm-hmm. And I found a position with Liberty Mutual within the Research Institute for Safety, which was working with a bunch of researchers and doctors, which kind of was my background. Um, and I fell in love with insurance. And that's how Easy I that's how I, I, I am here. And the rest is history. I worked a couple different positions at Liberty for a couple years and then uh, moved to the independent channel. And I've been on the independent channel for the past eight years. Um, so it's just been an amazing journey. And I, I love, I love our industry. It's, oh. I, don't know, I don't know why, uh, but no, just the fact of um, helping people is what drives me. So I've been doing that in different ways, you know, not mm-hmm. only helping clients, but developing teams, uh, developing skills, um, leadership and whatnot. So it's been a really awesome um, journey to get here. And it is, and it is. And sometimes it is hard to like put it into perspective of why we love this industry, right? And um, so I have this big, this is ironic that this goes into this, but um, I want to get into why we love this industry in a little bit. But um, Monica, so what was your maiden name? Oh, uh, Colon Plaud. So it's C-O-L-O-N-P-L-A-U-D. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And and so, you know, one of the things you said was, is that when you and I think at your, your husband at the time, maybe it was boyfriend or whatever, uh, I'm yeah. not exactly sure. And he came to America. It's really crazy that whenever I'm an American and I hear the fact that there's someone who lives in another country that wouldn't just be like, oh yeah, hey, I want to come to America. But you pinned it back to your family, you know? Yes. And And I think that's something that's getting lost today in America, and you see it very huge with the Latino-Hispanic community, is that deep involvement with their family, right? It's like, I'm willing to leave my mom and dad to go to Florida because I want to live there. You know what I mean? (laughs) And and sometimes um, I'll notice, ironically enough, I have a Latino friend that he just says to me, he says, Jason, there's no way I would ever leave my family, my mom, my dad, and my sisters, you know? And it's like, it's not even a thought like maybe you know and so it's just like wow that's so crazy and in a way i think us that don't have that i think in a way we're probably a little bit jealous down and deep inside if we want to admit it right because that's such a that's such an awesome connection um and and i mean i was raised in a family that you know we went and saw our grandmas and grandpas and we're still very close together but 
It's, it's really, really amazing when I hear something like that. And that just shows the true depth of the roots that you have with your family. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. I grew up with five uncles and aunts from my mom's side and 12 from my dad. Oh, so I have, like three, I have like 300 cousins and we all live within walking distance. So the whole, it was like a village, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the whole town was like our village. <laughs> so wow. it, is really, it is really hard to leave that, even though I only have one brother and we're 10 years apart. I grew up with all my cousins. So my older cousins are like my uncles and aunts. And then my little cousins are like my nieces and nephews. Gotcha. So our family is really, really tight, really, really close. I can tell. Yeah. I can tell. Um, and that, that's, that's fantastic. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of people. That changes the game. I mean, you guys have like a family reunion and you got to like rent out a baseball field. Oh, you shit, don't you know? need anybody else. You don't. You don't. Because it's immediate family. It's not like second cousins or third cousins. It's like immediate family. That's why I, so for 16, I mean, no, 14 years. I pushed getting married. I never got married until about two years ago with my boyfriend, right? Right. Because we couldn't decide, like, do we want to do a wedding? Because this is going to be very expensive. And we end up just, you know, calling my parents, calling his parents. We didn't even invite our siblings. And basically, we just told them, hey, you got flights to come here on this date. You're staying for a week. We're going to Cuba. And the wedding is like 10 a.m. for an hour, and then we're going to lunch. Bye. And that's it. And that's what we did because it's it's too much. It was too much. <laughs> now, time out, Monica. I think you said it. Did you say Cuba? Is that where you got married? Yes. I got I got married in Massachusetts, but I went to Cuba for um, for the rest of the... Uh, of honeymoon the, kind of thing? Of the honeymoon. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was more like an amazing trip without the kid. <laughs> where did you go? So we went to Havana, mm -hmm. and we went to, then we took a trip through the um, tobacco factories, and we mm -hmm. went to the beach. And that mm -hmm. was right right before the, the band was put in place, so we were so scared, we didn't know we were going to be able to come back. Correct. So like, basically, two days after we came back, the band was put in place again. Did you go to, uh, I never say it is right, Veradero? No, I didn't. Oh, you know, okay. Because a lot of those beaches, it's hard to find a beach around the Havana area. You got to actually kind of travel a little bit. A lot yes, of people don't do. realize that. Yeah, you do. And we were a little scared too. Like we, we, I mean, we speak the language, and they, you know, mm -hmm. it was fine for us. But at the same time, you know, you got to be careful. Um, so we kind of kept to certain places that we know if something happened, we could. We could get yeah. back quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so we I, I'm a little skeptical of like, you know, not being familiar, but right. it was like being home. You know, Cuba looks a lot like like Puerto Rico and San Juan. Um, it's just uh, stopped in time. It's basically like 70 years ago uh, how it looked like. So yeah. it was it was kind of shocking. But at the same time, it was a really rich experience. So that you know that that's my heart. So Cuba is is my spot. So I, I've traveled there nine times. I do a lot yeah. of Hispanic work there. I actually haven't been there in over 18 months because of COVID and all that stuff yeah. like that. I hold, I hold leadership conferences there. Ooh. So we will have conferences and we bring in um, pastors 
uh, from across the other providences, and we come right. in and we and we teach them how to be a pastor and the type nice. of things that they need to do. Now, I don't. I'm just the dude who puts it together, and we bring yeah. in these pastors from America. Um, and then, and then, yeah, that is, uh, that is my spot. That's why when you said Cuba, if I could, and I'm hopeful in the next five to 10 years, we'll be able to, um, I literally want to live like most of my life there and just help build churches because a lot of the things is it's not like I just have this deep desire to build churches. I like building things mm-hmm. on anything, businesses or anything. And I like helping them understand how to build things. Okay. It, because it's just not part of their psyche. They, they're not a capitalist. They've always, you know how no. you know how it is there. So they don't they don't think like like that sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. um, true story. I'm talking with a shoe store owner, and um, I explained to my buddies in America, it doesn't look like our shoe stores, right? But yeah. th- this guy, he is ordering these shoes, and he's ordering them from China, and he, he's got like five or six pair of each size. But I noticed that from the sizes like six to nine. He never had any. And so I went to the, he shows me the back in his room and, and he says, I need to order some more shoes. And we open up the back of his, of his business to his room and he has tons of shoes. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, dude, I was like, you have a lot of shoes here. Like, and he says, yeah, I have to, because I have to get six, seven, eights and nines. And I was like, well, can't you just order six, seven, eights and nines? He was like, no. He's like, you got to order all of them. You know, you got to order two through 11. Yeah. And I was like, are you sure about that? So after a day or two of me talking to a couple people, he had just opened this store more less than a year before. And he didn't understand and didn't know that you could just order size six, seven, eight, nine. He thought you had to buy the whole thing. And so the dude had probably a hundred pairs size two. I'm exaggerating when I say that, but he had a lot. And, um, and that just showed me right there, Monica. I was like, wow. Like, I think that anybody would understand in America that if I just need these, this is all they need to order. Right? No, they didn't. And it's not that they took advantage of them. The people they were buying from that was then buying from China. That's what they were doing. You know what I mean? And just, Littlest things like that they don't understand. When it comes to business, they are not they're no. not well versed. But when it comes to anthropology, history, medical yes. medicine, yes. they are the best. Like they are modern the medicine. I went to one of their uh, I mean I didn't go into the facility, but I did ask our tour guide to take us through like the education, medical, all those mm-hmm. places and that was top of the line and they're funded very well. Like me, like healthcare there is free and they have like innovation labs that are nothing like the ones here. So they it's do. very interesting to kind of like see all those differences where like, you know, there is not a lot of commerce, there is not a lot of business, but they are able to shine on other areas and continue their economy in different ways. Yep. Um, so that was very impressive to me. Maybe I'll, I'll connect you with my uncle. My uncle is a pastor here, and he does a lot of missions. Um, I love South it. South America. I've met yeah. three famous people in the uh, airport of Cuba, three yeah. famous um, actors that we all know. In the airports of Cuba, when I'm leaving, they're riding the same plane. I found out after I met the second one that why they come there is because their kids are in film school 
And like some of the best film schools in the world are in Cuba. Yeah. Right. And so like as Americans, we just don't know that we believe all the BS that we've been told <laughs> and we don't realize that they have a great education system, that they yeah. have a great healthcare system, that they have one of the best filming schools in America or in America, in the world. And so it's like, wow, the things you learn. And I wish to, that's why you don't have to go to Cuba. You just need to leave the United States and realize that not everybody works the same way, you That's know? That's right. Yeah. And you and know, one of the things I found out there, which was very um, like an aha moment for me, is that the government requires you to finish a degree in college and university, and it's totally free. Totally free. But they and I asked them what require you to. They require, and, and, and like most people there know five or six languages. Mm -hmm. And so I said to this one guy, the very first time I was there, I was like, man, you know a lot of languages. I was like, I can't believe that you know so many. And he said, well, how many do you know? And I said, one and barely that English, you know, I said, I said, that's it. And I said, why do you know so many? And he said, tourism is our main attraction. Yeah. So when people come here, it would be only polite that we could speak their language. Yeah. Monica? Think of the way we think as Americans. Well, if you come to our country, you better speak our language, you know, yeah. completely mind shift into yeah. the way that you can look at things, you know? Ah, yeah. all right. I can go on forever. Sorry about that. Loyal <laughs> listeners, loyal listeners get to hear me enough on that, especially during my Cuba trips. But, um, yeah, fantastic time. And I did not know about that, about Monica. I just, I just feel closer to you already. And I'm being serious about that. So Monica, why do we think that this is the greatest industry that God ever created? That's my words. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, AK Agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. <laughs> Well, I do think that our industry has um, a lot of involvement, not just on the economy, but when it comes to politics, when it comes to, you know, um, the global health overall, when it comes to, you know, the taking care of other countries, uh, when it comes to food, when it comes to redefining um the plantations of you know foresting papers like you you it's so much so so much that they do and mm -hmm. we don't know like most people don't know that that our industry has investments and actually has a hand on many many other um industries out there so from politics to basically you know ecology and whatnot i just love that we are able to help many other people with just what we create and mm -hmm. just protecting people because yeah. we're here to protect people most people think that we're here to take their money mm -hmm. um you know i don't want to pay for insurance it's totally fine <laughs> that's i know on i get you. to i get it yeah that's on you but mm -hmm. um we're here to protect you right we're here mm -hmm. to protect them and to protect them financially and i think you know growing 
up in a place because Puerto Rico insurance is just breaking ground there maybe 10 years ago. Uh, I grew up in a place where insurance is like, well, you hit the car, well, better go to the mechanic down the road and fix it. Like, it's not like, not at all. Like, it's non-existent, right? Right, yeah. Like, we only have like compulsory coverage and you just go to the state office and if something happened with the puddle, well, you better spend your day there, take the day off and see if they can pay it. You know, it's just, it's very, um, very different. So knowing that financially you can provide a cushion for people, I think that's um, that's one of the main um, main aspects of why I love this industry. It's just it's just beautiful. I just like it. I don't know. I know I can't. No, 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 no. That's a great going around and around. But I no, just no, no. You're it. not. No, you're not. This is so. What you? <laughs> I love what you say there about the fact that the people don't understand. Um, and people just don't, the general public, um, as to how important insurance is, right? So whenever I hire producers, one of the first things we discuss for literally the first whole day is what is risk and what is insurance. And it's really one of my most favorite days because of the way that they come away from this, Monica. They come away from it like, oh, I didn't realize that. Like I explained to them, in the middle of New York, there is a skyscraper that needs to be brought down, okay? And there is a company that says, hey, we'll take the skyscraper down. I said, what happens if that skyscraper doesn't come down the right way and falls onto another skyscraper and falls onto another one and does $100 million or billion dollars in damage? What would happen? And they're like, well, I guess there'd be insurance, you know? Well, what if there wasn't insurance? Do you think that could ever happen? And you'll see their brains kind of turn and going, Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Right? Like, yeah, like nothing in the world could happen unless someone came along and said, Hey, if you want to take down that skyscraper, pay us a little bit of money and we'll take on the risk of if that happens, like nothing could ever happen. Nothing cars, nothing could ever happen. Um, and you got to think about it like your health. What, what things would you be less likely to do if you knew that you got hurt and you were on the hook for $200,000, right? And so it's like, like it, they just don't understand. Now as agents, this ties back to what we were talking about. Why would Jason think it's the best in the insurance industry or Monica would think a lot of times people will tell you that it has to do with residual income, right? I mean, let's be honest. So, so, so Monica, I'm talking with this guy yesterday. He's in my office. He's trying to sell me, um, on logos and stuff like that. He's a branding guy, right? And and he's in the chamber. So he's there just to sell me, but he's there. We're talking and communicating. And he asked me about his business, his business. Uh, somebody wants to buy his business. And I said, well, I can't. And he's asking me how much I think it would be worth. And I said, well, I don't really know. I'm not in that business. I said, but, and I said, this is what it is for insurance or whatever. I said, but the difference with insurance is, is ours is residual. And he's like, well, I think mine is too. And this is something I have said for my whole life. Like people that don't aren't in insurance don't understand what we mean with residual income. I said to him, I said, well, let me ask you a question. So right now you go home, lock up your, uh, go to your office, lock up your office and leave and come back in one year. How many clients do you have? And he was like, well, I wouldn't have any dude. I said, then that's not residual income. Monica, if you really think about it, loyal listeners, if you went into my agency and I locked the door on January 1st and I came back on December 31st, I would have probably anywhere between 75 to 85% of my clients. 
because only 10 to 15% of them ever call me. Yeah. And, and if they do call me and they can't get a hold of me, they just call the carrier. But they would never necessarily know that I'm not even in business. That, I told the guy, is residual income. Okay, that is what residual income is. Now, let's talk about that, though. Let's take it a little deeper, Monica. If residual income is the reason why we may think, or one of the main reasons why we would think this industry is so great, let's be honest, we don't do it for money, but we do it for money because it makes us very, very, uh, it makes our lives a lot easier. Let's just say that. Um, who handles those renewals, which we would call residual income, CSRs, CSRs, account managers, managers, yeah. senior account managers. And I don't know this true statistic, but I would be willing to bet that 80 to 90% of those are women. Mm -hmm. So we could make a, a case that the greatest industry ever created by God <laughs> is because of women. See how you tie that together, Monica? I ain't silly. I was like, I, I'm not sure where he's going with this, but it makes sense. <laughs> it does make sense. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, because I think if we didn't have women in this industry, men can't do what these account managers can do. I'm sorry. Okay, there are some. I'm they not are some. Uh, loyal listeners, not not a broad brush stroke here. But the characteristics of caring and sharing and being compassionate and multitasking. These are not characteristics of men. And this is, doesn't mean that we're saying one's better than the other in this political world we live in today. That's not the conversation we're having. Yeah. We're just talking about the fact that, do, would I say though, would we say then that because a lot of men are salespeople, would that mean, I think that some of the best salespeople are women. I really truly do. Monica, you guys can get into places I can't. I can go talk to some business owner, whether it's a woman, male, doesn't matter. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see women walk in there and it's just, I don't know if it's because it's, it's, they're not used to seeing a woman professional in the insurance industry. I don't know what it is, but even a lot of high powered women I've talked to before, they'll be like, oh yeah, I could out prospect you in a minute. And they can, they can. And so I'm starting to look at this. I'm thinking, I think this thing is a woman dominated industry. It's just the old, stale, male and pale white guys smoking the stogies in the back room haven't figured it out yet, Monica, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, the, the nurturing factor that we come... Nurturing. Uh, ...that we come with when we're born, right? It's... Mm -hmm. um, it's it's one of the things that make us make us more vulnerable to be able to acquire these type of positions and make sure that people is feeling that they are important, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a very easy, I will say, you know, women have a very easy way to make people feel important and cared for. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some of us are more direct than others. Like I can tell you that I, I have no filter and I will tell you as is, but I will tell it to you very nicely. You That's know? right. But because I'm Puerto Rican and I'm loud, I'm allowed. So, you know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So um, I think, I think, you know, there is this, um, this factor also of comfort where, you know, some women are very comfortable just doing that, you know, a specific role of mm -hmm. I'm going to care for the client. And I think through the past hundred years, because we are caretakers by nature, 
that we are very, very comfortable, you know, doing those roles. Now, there is a new generation, the one before me and, and mine, that we're a little bit more aggressive and we mm -hmm. want more because we've mm -hmm. been taught that we have to we have to fight for what we want and that mm -hmm. we we should go for what we want, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a new generation of leaders rising um, that now it's taking over uh, from, you know, the white male dominated agency owned or, you mm -hmm. know, CEO positions. But it's still a problem because there is not enough of us, men or women in the industry now growing into it. So what are we going to do about it? You know, that's the big that's the big question. But I think, you know, as as women, we are doing a very good job changing a little bit the image about the industry and letting everybody know that, hey, you can certainly make it. Uh, you just Damn right. You, you have to work hard, but you have you can make it. And, you know, I say that in the next 200 years, we will have more women presidents than we do men. And whenever I say that, whenever I have my little speech, I'm actually looking for something here that has to do with uh, uh, Vonda Copeland, one of my favorite people in the world. She sent this to me, and I'm trying to find it, and I can't find it. Um, one of the things that, uh, that I think is, is very, very important to, to realize is I think it has to do with our societal change, right? You talked about the last hundred years, which I thought was important. So, so think, uh, and loyal listeners, this is, this is to you. I'm just speaking here um, broadly. Think of caveman days, right? Think about, think of the characteristics I needed versus the woman needed, right? It was, I was strong. I could go out and wrestle a bear. Thank God they don't depend on me to do that today or we would starve, Monica. Okay. <laughs> so, so I could wrestle the bear, right? But like we had some kids and I needed you to stay home and take care of them and be that nurturer and all the stuff that was there. And so we've just kind of grown up in this world for the last thousand, three thousand, five thousand years. And then now we get to this point in history, especially starting in the 60s, 70s and 80s, where the woman now can look at the man and say, Hey, it's great. You can get food, but there's a grocery store down the road, right? I, I don't need, I don't need you necessarily for that. And I think also as men, we got to the point to say, well, if you're going to go out and do your thing, well, maybe I can be the nurturer, right? And so, and it's, and it's only not that way more because we look at it as, oh man, you're a stay at home mom or whatever. In a way, I think that would be awesome. Um, I could never do it. I really couldn't. But I think that that's some of the differences we have today. And so when we look at that societal change, think of how that plays out in politics. Think of, that's why I say in the next 200 years, you would have, we are becoming a society that doesn't go to world wars anymore. I'm not saying we never could. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we look for every diplomatic way we possibly can. And dip, being diplomatic is almost in that nurturing type of thing. Let's let's not get bent out of shape here. Let's actually look at what's going on. Let's try to come together and talk. And that has been... Huh? Compromises. Compromises. That's right. And um, yeah. So anyways, I know we kind of beat that up, but I, I'm telling you, I solved it. The greatest, this is the greatest industry in the world God ever created because of residuals, which are handled by renewals, which were handed by women. 
I really truly think that. I said that at my brain share and I got a round of applause even from guys. So I, I knew I was on to something. Um, uh, here's a couple statistics that uh, Vonda Copeland sent me. 40% um, of U.S. businesses are women-owned. The, the U.S. has 12.3 million women-owned businesses. U.S. Um, uh, women-owned businesses generate $1.8 trillion a year. That's a lot, folks. That's a lot. There are 114% more women entrepreneurs than there were 20 years ago. We're going somewhere, folks. We're going. And that usually probably means that there's probably been less men. I'm just saying. There's only so much, so much businesses here. Private tech companies led by women achieve 35% higher ROI. This is a study done by Fundera. Um, and they gave 17 statistics, which I thought was cool. But here's specifically the insurance industry. Drilling down to the insurance industry specific stats, according to an annual survey, businesses established in the private industry conducted by the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that 60% of the insurance industry workforce are women and have grown by 1.7 million just in the last nine years. Mm -hmm. Wow. And they're accounting for 60, they account for 60.1% of the 2.8 million workers inside the insurance industry. Yeah. That was mind-blowing to me, right? Yeah. That was mind-blowing to me. So to say that that's going to de decrease is just not realistic, right? That's just yeah. not not the re realistic. So I thought that was fantastic when she sent that to me. She sent that to me the day after BrainShare after she heard me say that. I really do have a great appreciation um, for for women and what they do in this world. Monica, anything else? I know we kind of beat that up in loyal listeners. Uh, I think uh, we gave you a lot of red meat there. But Monica, as we start to close up, any, any thoughts you may have? No, I think it's amazing that we are definitely promoting our insurance industry to more women. I think... Mm -hmm they um, definitely need to give it a chance because they can be really, really successful. And I do love to see more and more um, of, you know, of you guys involved into supporting um, yes. the industry per se, because, you know, I have great mentors and they're all men. Um, and I have a few women mentors in the past two years, but I think, you know, it is it is amazing to see how we have kind of come to this, you know, balance of we all yes. need to help each other uh, because we all bring great, uh, great skill into the table. And I, I love seeing that we are collaborating more and more um, in order too. to push this industry forward. Tell us in a couple of minutes about what you and Troy uh, have going on. Troy Thompson, Ooh. everybody. Yes. Uh, so Troy and I just funded a new uh, a new company called Sabadol. It's a virtual professional company. We are not calling them virtual um, assistants because they mm -hmm. are professionals. Yes, they and are. Uh, we are about six months old right now um, and doing very, very well. We're bringing a new caliber of um, graduates into the table for all sorts of uh, jobs within the industry um, and really, really focusing on helping, um, you know, agency owners uh, mm -hmm. in order to be able to work on the business and not in the business. We're encountering a lot of insurance agents um, 
and agency owners that still sell and still, you know, manage their own book and still do their own. And they don't have time to network anymore. And they're kind of staying stagnant into their growth. So yep. we're stepping in, helping them create um, a new way, uh, keeping up with technology, you know, staffing properly and basically um, just organizational psychology overall so they can have a business that can run uh, on its own uh, mm -hmm. and not, you know, depending on them for every single decision. So we have an amazing team in Pakistan and um, it's uh, it's been an amazing journey so far. Monica, good for you, because yeah. a lot of the VA companies out there don't have their shit together. And I'm just going to say, you don't have to say it. This is Jason Cass. They don't have their shit together. They really don't care. They're, they realize that they can make a good margin off, an, off another human. Yeah. And they try to push their BS out there as to, oh, this and that. And at the end of the day, they're not very good. And I think that they have given VAs also, professionals, a bad name. Yes. And the fact that they think that agencies are like, oh, wow, I want a VA. And they go find somebody for a, and pay them a dollar or two dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. And then they give them to the agency. And the agency's like, what? This is a joke. This isn't what it is. No, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. I have Marvin and May who work for my office. And we hate calling them VAs, too, because they're literally employees. Yeah. And and it's it's to the point where I think Marvin who's my commercial lines assistant. I don't know if he would be a, what we would consider a true account manager or a senior account manager, but if you're a senior account manager and you have Marvin as your assistant, holy crap, you could do a lot. He yeah. knows commissions. He knows COIs. I mean, I deal with him daily. Um, I just renewed a 500 and some odd thousand dollar account and I barely did any of that. I had to be looking over it because we cannot make mistakes in any of that. But he knew exactly what to do and how to do it. He's done tons of my renewals. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this dude is valuable. And we also don't pay him like VAs. Um, I actually, what I did with the VA company I was using, I just bought their contract out. Because one of the things that I had a, I had a scare was, is that if something happens to this company, I can't lose these people. These people have literally, they are part of my agency, you know, and May, she runs all of our personal lines, all of our services. She handles all of our claims. She's so good at what she does. It's ridiculous. And so good for you to treat them as professionals. And here's what I say. There can't be enough VA companies. I was telling this to Troy the other day. I said, Troy, there's 38,000 insurance agencies. If we just all, if they all just need one VA, we, we don't have enough, right? So, so there's enough there. But kudos for you for starting it and saying, I'm, we're going to treat these people as professionals. We're going to put professionals inside an agency that's actually going to be utilized by an agency and seen as an employee and not some third party that they're just using because it's cheap labor. So good for you and good for you, Troy Thompson. I know you're listening to this and good for you. I'm <laughs> proud of you for that. And I'm serious about that. Yeah. Troy, Troy and I have known each other for about eight years now. And um, it doesn't surprise me that that Troy would have that kind of, of uh, direction in his business, you in his business. Yeah. So good I for you, Monica. 
good yeah, for you. Yeah, I think one of the one of the most amazing things that and how we came up to it is like we we built this company from people and from agents to agents. It's like we don't have a piece of technology we're going after. We want to help people, just like we want to help you know customers with insurance. We want to help agents with their businesses, and I think that differentiates a lot because mm -hmm. we know how hard it is to grow an agency and the pain points. So yes. you know it is it is it comes with that you know consultation and that you know business um uh consulting that uh others lack so i think that's a big differentiator for us and that's why we're having a lot of success too monica i really do appreciate your time i really do you and i this will not be the last time you and i talk or meet you've got some go-go in you that uh i love I love this industry. I really, truly do. I say this all the time. It's uh, allowed me to meet people that I never thought I'd meet. It allowed, allowed me to go places that I never thought I'd go. And it allowed me to give my family a life that I never thought that I could give them, especially when I was younger. So Monica, you just exemplify that reason. So thank you very much for your time. Tell Troy I said hi. Troy's probably listening to this. Hello, Troy. Um, so uh, thank you very much for your time, Monica. Thank you for having me. Yes. And loyal listeners, I hope you enjoyed this. I try to give you that intelligence, right? What we call the agency intelligence is how to get better, how to look at things differently. So this right here was agency intelligence podcast where I gave you real agent inside a real agency, giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that they try to make you believe out there. This was Cass. She's Monica. We're out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is. To, to fix a problem, the first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.